Good morning. Have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm just going to make a disclaimer. If you don't like what I preached this morning, you can talk to our chairman of the deacons. He'll be glad to answer any questions about what I speak on this morning. Because the topic I'm speaking on this morning is not a very popular topic in our culture. I'm talking about the second building block of a godly home. And if you look at your bulletin, that second building block is called submission. And that's what I'm going to talk about not only this week, I'm only going to get through part of my message this week, and then next week I'll finish the rest of this message on submission. But, but last week we began this series about building the building blocks of a godly home. And we talked about that in order to have a godly home, a home has to have the proper foundation. And that proper foundation is that home must be constructed and built upon Jesus Christ. We also mentioned that to have a godly home, you have to be committed to your faith. And that you have to view marriage as a covenant and not a contract. And today, as I mentioned, I'm going to talk about this idea of submission. That if you want to build a godly home, there needs to be submission in your home. But before I get into this, I want to share something that that we are going to plan to do in the fall. And I've re talked about this uh, several times in previous messages, but I want to let you know where we're going with what's called grace marriage. Because last week I mentioned that marriages are struggling and marriage are stressed and marriages are hurting. And there's a great need for strong godly homes and strong godly families. But unfortunately, many churches talk about the need for strong marriages and strong families and strong homes, but they do nothing to help couples enrich their marriage and families to enrich their homes. In fact, the statistics say that 72% of churches have no marriage ministry whatsoever. 80% of churches have 0% budget dedicated to marriage ministry. And I want us to be a church that only talks about the importance of strengthening the marriage relationship and helping couples build their home on Christ, but actually be a church that does something about it. Because I want you to think about this. What impacts a child more? Children programming, youth programming, or a healthy, godly home? I'll tell you what impacts the church more. It's children that grow in homes that have a God as the foundation. Homes that are Spirit-filled. We can pour all the money we want to into youth ministry and children's ministry. But if that child goes home to a home that is not Spirit-filled and godly and built upon Christ, then everything we do here is not going to amount to much. Because the greatest impact in a child's life is not from the church. The greatest impact in a child's life is what happens at home. And so this fall, we want to launch something for couples called grace marriage. And grace marriage is not marriage counseling. It's not a seminar or a conference on marriage enrichment, but it is a marriage ministry curriculum and proactive disciple pathway for all marriages. It's just not for couples who are engaged. It's just not for couples who are newlyweds. It's not just couples who've been married for a short time and couples who've been married for a long time. It's for couples of all ages, no, longer how, no matter how long they've been married. This is an ongoing strategy for marriage enrichment. It is a proactive approach for strengthening marriages in the church. 
And the purpose of grace marriage is to protect and grow marriages in the local church and the community. It's to provide a marriage ministry without being a drain on the local church budget. It's to engage couples of all ages to put marriage under the grace of Christ and be intentional in doing so. It's to completely change the perception and the reality of marriage in our culture. So how does this work? Churches who are part of this ministry are asked to implement an effective and ongoing structure where where couples will invest time and resources and creativity into their own marriage. And the idea is that 10 to 12 couples will meet quarterly around four hours at a time, probably on a Saturday with breakfast and lunch provided to engage in biblical concepts of marriage. And during that time, couples will have the opportunity to create action steps to implement strategies, protect and promote life in the marriages between the quarterly meetings. And if we have more than 10 to 12 couples who are interested, we can have a, more than one grace marriage group. We, can't, we can have as many couples as we want, but only they ask that 10 to 12 couples be a part of each group. And this is not something that you just do one time or do two times or, or do three times or four times. These groups, the idea is stay together year after year. And right now, Grace Marriage has written seven years worth of curriculum. The cost is $200 per couple for the materials, and that covers 24 lessons a year. That also comes with something called Grace Marriage at Home that is valued at $150. So you get that for free for $150 for paying $200. And I would say this, We don't think twice about going out to eat and spending $50. We don't think twice about spending money on what we want to spend money on. Oftentimes, it is a matter of priority. And if anything is worth the the investment, it's the investment to strengthen your family and strengthen your marriage. It's a matter of priority of what is important to you. And this is the best marriage enrichment plan I have ever seen, I have ever come across. And if husbands and wives do not learn how to continually demonstrate grace in their marriage, they will have a grave marriage. You see, if all we do is talk about the need to strengthen our marriages, but do nothing about it, we as the church are failing couples. We as the church are failing families. And this week, Nicole McClintock and I are going to be on a Zoom call with the people from Grace Marriage to iron out the logistics and details. And hopefully in the coming weeks, we will have more details to share. But this is something that I think is needed, that our staff thinks is needed. It's something that I think will benefit our church. And I don't know of any other church in our area that is offering something along the lines of this Grace Marriage. In fact, I just heard about it a couple of months ago at an event I went to for the KBC. And when I heard about it, the light bulb went on that we spend so much time doing so many things in church, but sometimes we neglect the most important thing, and that is the family unit. You see, as husband and wife, I want you to begin praying about being a part of Grace Marriage. And if you want more information, you go to gracemarriage.com, and there's all kinds of information on that website. And if you want a godly home, if you want a home that's built upon Christ, if you want a home that's filled with grace, and love, then I would encourage you to really consider being part of this opportunity. Now, to the crux of the message. The building block for a godly home I'm going to talk about this week and next, as I said, is submission. 
And this is completely misunderstood by many in the world. It's a word that has caused controversy. It's a word that has caused division. It's caused Christians to be called old-fashioned or or narrow-minded. It's been divisive. Even among Christians, this word submission is misunderstood. But this word, this concept is so important in the light of our present culture as the foundation of marriage is crumbling, as marriage is being redefined, as there's confusion about gender and marriage and family. And many in our culture and our world are hostile to the biblical view of marriage because the problem is not a cultural war. The problem is that this is a spiritual war. And Satan would like nothing more than confuse people and distort and destroy God's design for marriage in the family. Because if Satan can destroy God's plan for marriage in the family, he can and he will destroy the church as godly, strong families are the key to strong, healthy churches. And if we as Christians misunderstand godly submission, which many Christians do, how can we expect the world to understand it? So in this passage, we're going to look at this morning and next week, Ephesians 5, 21-6-3. I want you to understand, Paul does not give an exhaustive theology of of his view of marriage, or God's view of marriage, but he does discuss and he does define the main responsibilities of husbands and wives and even children. And in doing so, he gives us an incredible analogy of how marriage and the family is a picture of Christ and the church. So I want to start by reading verse 21 of of Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Actually, let me start in verse 18 to give you context. He says, Don't get drunk with wine which leads to reckless actions, but be filled with the Spirit. He says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now verse 21 is is the end of a long sentence that Paul starts in verse 18. And in verse 18, Paul states that we need to be filled with the Spirit. And then in verses 19 and 21, he tells us how we can do that. He says that we can be filled with the Spirit through speaking, through singing, through giving. And then in verse 21, he says, by submitting ourselves one to another. So what Paul is saying is when we submit ourselves to each other, It is an indication that we are filled with the Spirit. And the idea of submission, as I mentioned earlier, is often misunderstood. Because when people hear the word that we are submit, they think that we are to be a doormat, that we allow people to run all over us. And this is not what this word means at all. The word submit comes from the Greek word hypotasso. It means to a place or arrange under, to subject or subordinate our rights to someone else. Put to put the will of the other person above our own will. And when we think of Jesus' relationship to the Father, it was defined by submission. Because Jesus put the Father's will ahead of His will. Jesus subjected Himself to the will of the Father. And as Jesus' relationship was the Father was defined by submission, our relationship with Christ should be defined by submission. We should put God's will above ours. We should subject ourselves to God. We should place ourselves under His 
authority. And when we submit to God, we become more willing to obey God when He tells us to submit to others. You see, when we submit to others, it demonstrates that we are being led by the Spirit. It demonstrates that we are being filled with the Spirit, that we are being controlled by the Spirit, and that we are submitted to God. And the greatest picture of godly submission is what should take place in the home. And by using the home, by using the family, by using marriage, Paul shows us exactly what godly submission should look like. And in a marriage relationship, husband and wives are supposed to submit to each other as mutual submission creates and preserves harmony in the family. It creates an atmosphere of love and respect and grace in the home. And if you apply these principles I'm going to share with you over the the next couple of weeks, if you practice this mutual submission in your home that God calls us to practice, then you will build a godly Spirit-filled home. Now if you're a single parent, I want you to know what I'm sharing with you this morning applies to you and your children as well. Because as a single parent, you are to live a life of submission to God. You are to have a home that is Spirit-filled as well. And if you're single and not married, if God calls you to get married, then you need to make sure that your home is defined by these principles. And I would say don't even think about someone who is not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives. But until that time, understand you are also to live a life that is submitted to God. So what's the significance of Ephesians 5.21? Paul tells us that it shows that when we submit to one another, that we are filled with the Spirit of God. And we are in a right relationship with Him. Now let's look at verses 22-24 to where I'm going to camp out for the next few minutes. And wives, don't get mad at me. Come back next week and I'll talk to the husband. So just hold on. Just hold on. No nasty emails or texts, please. So, alright. Starting in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The first point I want to make is in a Spirit-filled home, submission means a wife willingly submits to her husband. That's the first point of the message. A wife willingly submits to her husband in a Spirit-filled home. Paul said, wives, submit to your husband." Now in a marriage relationship, we need to understand that a husband and wife have equal value, but they have clearly different defined roles. And make no mistake about it, God has structured the home to work in a certain way. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what you or I think. It only matters what God's Word says. And if God's structure is not followed in the home, chaos is going to reign. And the family structure will fall apart and dysfunction takes place. Last week I shared that 70-80% of American families believe their family is dysfunctional. And I believe a major reason why families believe their home is dysfunctional is because God's design for the home is being ignored. And just like every business, just like every organization, just like every institution has structure, 
And structure is necessary for an organization to function the way it was designed. It is the same with the home. In a marriage, a husband and wife have equal value, but they have clearly different and defined roles. And notice, Paul does not say a woman is to submit to every man. He doesn't say that. He says that a woman is to submit only to her husband because in the home, one person is to lead and the other person is to follow. And God has ordained the man to lead the home. Think about this. If two people try to lead, what's going to happen? There's going to be conflict. There's going to be a power struggle. But if two people follow and there is no one leading, guess what happens? Nothing gets done. You see, God has ordained the husband to lead and the wife to follow. Now please understand, submission is not the same as obedience. Sorry guys, it's not. Submission is not the same as obedience. Submission by the wife is an obligation to her husband. So Paul is not talking about a a wife being a slave or a servant or where subjects have to obey without question. But unfortunately, some men have distorted Paul's teaching on submission thinking God was giving them unlimited authority over their wives. Wouldn't that be great, guys? But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. But you read the Scripture and it says, Paul said, submit to husbands and everything. I don't want to burst your bubble, but the picture is not of that a man sitting on the couch watching TV telling his wife to bring him a drink and bring him some food. It doesn't work like that. It will not take being married very long to figure out this is not what Paul is talking about. And guys, if we think that this is what it means for your wife to to submit to you, good luck with that. That is a great way to shorten your marriage and your life. There was a mild-mannered man who was reading a book on being self-assertive, and he decided he needed to go home and start being assertive to his wife. So he stormed into the house, he pointed his finger in his wife's face, mistake number one, said, from now on I'm boss around here and what I say goes. Mistake number two, I want you to prepare me a gourmet meal and run my bath water. And then when I've eaten and finished my bath, guess who's going to dress me and comb my hair? Without thinking twice, the wife replied, the mortician. (laughs) And honestly, if I did that to my wife, it would be the mortician that would be combing my hair and dressing me. But not only have men misunderstood this teaching, But women have discarded this teaching as well because they don't like it. Some women think it means the husband can tell the wife to do whenever he wants and she is supposed to do it. And Paul is not saying that either. Paul is also not advocating for what has been termed a traditional marriage. And I just want to make it very clear there's a difference between a biblical marriage and a traditional marriage. Just because a marriage is traditional does not mean it's biblical. And just because a marriage is not traditional does not mean it is not biblical. All marriages are to be biblical whether it's traditional or not. Now, my parents had a very traditional marriage. My dad worked. My mom stayed at home with me and my brother. My dad did the outside work. He took care of the cars. He took care of the repairs. My mom cooked. My mom cleaned. My mom washed the dishes. She took care of the... The school stuff, she took care of the finances. 
And my mom would get up with my dad at 4 a.m. Get this. Cook breakfast before he went to work at 4 a.m. Fix his lunch before he left for work at 5. Then get us up. Get us ready for school. Take us to school. Fix our lunches. Pick us up and then she would come home and cook dinner for dad to be ready when he came home. My marriage doesn't look like that. And Joni made it very clear that if I thought she was going to do that for me, I was crazy. And I was marrying the wrong person, and she was right. Never happened in my life a day like that. But here's the thing. Joni and I, we don't have that traditional marriage. Joni does the repairs. (laughs) I take care of the mowing in the cars by taking them to a mechanic. I do the finances. We share the cleaning and the washing and the cooking. And now somehow I'm making her lunch and her coffee every morning. And I'm not sure what happened. But now I'm stuck and I don't have a way to get out of it. So So even though our marriage is not traditional, I can say our marriage is biblical. She follows my lead in most things as long as she agrees with it. No, I'm kidding. She follows my lead, you know what? As long as I'm following Jesus. Because if I am following Jesus, if I am submitted to Jesus, she is not really following me, she is following Him. So what does it mean to submit to husbands and everything? Wives, if your husband is submitted to Christ and following Christ, You have the responsibility to submit to Him in every area of your life unless it is immoral, illegal, or unethical. So the submission of a wife to her husband is dependent upon the loving, faithful leadership of her husband who is pursuing Christ and not a tyrant. A a wife submits to her husband because her husband loves the Lord and is following Him. So wives... If your husband is following Jesus, you need to follow Him. You need to encourage Him. You need to support Him. You need to pray for Him. You need to respect the role God has given Him. And husbands, if your wife is not following you, maybe you need to start following Jesus. You see, there's an obligation for a wife to submit to her husband. As long as the husband is following Christ and submitted to Christ. And not only is there an obligation for a wife to submit to her husband, there's also a consideration. There's a motive. The motive of godly loving submission is in verse 22 at the end. Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Paul says, wives, submit to their husband not only because their husbands are submitted to Christ, But by submitting to their husband, they are also glorifying Christ. They're bringing honor to Christ. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, you have an obligation to submit to your husband out of your obligation to God. Your obligation to submit to your husband is out of your obligation to God. And the motive 
and the consideration for you to submit to your husband is your love for Christ. It's your desire to honor Christ. It's your desire to be conformed to His image. And finally, wifely submission. Yes, wifely is a word. I looked it up. Wifely submission is a perfect illustration. What do I mean by that? Look again at verses 23 and 24. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, the wives submit to their husbands in everything. You see, as women submit to their husbands, it is the picture of the church submitting to Jesus Christ. Why does the church submit to Christ? Why do we as believers submit to Jesus and follow Him? Because Christ is the head of the church. And not only is Christ the head of the church, but Christ loves the church. And because Christ is head of the church, and because Christ loves the church, we are to submit to Him. And why? Because your husband is the head of the home. And because your husband loves Jesus and because your husband loves you, you are to submit to Him. Wives, submit to your husband because he's the head of the family. He's the one God has chosen to lead. He's the head of the home. And most importantly, he loves Jesus and he loves his family. And I'll talk more more about this next week. But how much did Jesus love the church? He loved the church so much He was willing to give His life for the church. Jesus loved the church so much He was willing to die for the church. And because Jesus was willing to give His life for us and die for us, we are to submit our lives to Him and follow Him. And that's why this illustration of of the church of the marriage is a perfect illustration of Christ and the church. Wives, submit to your husband because your husband's the head of the house as God has ordained and also because your husband loves Jesus. You see, submission to each other is grounded in our submission to Christ. And submission of the wife is not about the wife being obedient to the husband. It's not about being his servant. It's about the wife following her husband's lead as he is submitted to and obedient to Jesus. And when the husband is obedient to Christ, and when the wife is submissive to her husband, this is the most awesome picture of Christ and the church. And the home will be filled with the Spirit of God. And the home and the family will function as God designed it. Now if you look throughout Scripture, you will find some very dysfunctional homes. I think of Ahab and Jezebel. Go back to 1 Kings and read the story of Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel was not a submissive wife. And Ahab was not a man who was after God's own heart and was following Him and living for Him. Ahab was not submitted to God. Ahab was following the world and because he was following the world, he led his family astray as well. And actually Jezebel is the one that became in charge of her husband if you read the story. And began telling him what to do instead of him leading the home in a godly way. You think of the life of David. Life of David. 
the greatest king in the nation of Israel, who God said he was a man after his own heart. But think of the dysfunction that his family went through because David was not completely submitted to the Lord. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He did all these things. Why? Because he was not committed to the Lord and he did not lead his family in a way that honored God. And I could bring up several other examples in Scripture of homes that were dysfunctional. That homes were not a picture of Christ in the church. Why? Because this idea of submission that God wants the home to have was not followed. And if we don't follow God's design of submission in the home, our families will wind up the way Ahab and Jezebel's did. Broken. Our families will wind up the way David's did. Dysfunctional. But if you want your home to be godly, if you want your home to be filled with the Spirit, then why is it, be, it's, it, it, it is your responsibility to will, be willing to submit to your husband as your husband follows Jesus? And next week, which is Mother's Day, I'm going to talk about what it looks like for the husband to submit to his wife. So hang on, ladies, it's coming. And for children, parents, to submit to you. So don't miss part two of this week's message. So maybe you're here today and, and you haven't given your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that this morning because you can't be the husband. You can't be the wife. You can't be the child God wants you to be unless you give your life to Christ. You can't lead your family the way God wants you to lead it unless you've given your heart to Him. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've given your life to Christ. Husbands, I ask you, are you loving Jesus? Are you submitting your life to Him in such a way that your wife is willing to follow you and submit to you? If not, maybe you need to come to this altar this morning and ask God for forgiveness and ask God to help you become the husband that He wants you to be and the husband that your wife needs you to be. And wives, I ask you, how are you doing at submitting to your husbands? Do you pray for Him? Do you encourage Him? Do you support Him? Do you follow Him? Do you submit to Him as He is following Jesus? And if you're not submitting to God, the way, to, to, submitting to your husband the way God has called you to do, maybe you need to come this morning and ask God to, for, for forgiveness and ask God to help you become the wife that He wants you to be and the wife that your husband needs you to be. If you're single or a single parent, I ask you simply, are you submitting every area of your life to the Lord? Because this idea of submission, this concept of submission, it just doesn't apply to those who are married. It, replies, it, reply, it applies to all of us, regardless of our marital status. So maybe your home is not spirit-filled. Maybe your home is not godly. Maybe it's because your home is not following God's design. By being a home that's submitting to Him and having a husband and a wife that are submitted to each other. And I want to encourage you today, if your home does not have submission, if you are not following God's desire and God's design in this way, make a commitment to Him to do it because I promise you, when you do it, you'll see a difference in your home because your home will be filled with the Spirit of God and your home will be built upon the proper foundation. Let's pray. Father, we just come before You today and just thank You for Your love and for Your grace and for Your mercy. 
Father, we just thank You for Jesus, Father. We thank You for the example that He gave us. And, and Lord, how He is the head of the church and He loved us so much that He was willing to die for us. And because He was willing to give His life for us, Father, we are to live our lives for Him. We are to submit ourselves to Him, Father. And Lord, this idea of submission, God, is so important in our lives as a believer, God, because we are to submit ourselves to You. But God, it's also so important in, the, in a home, God. It's so important for a home to be godly, for a home to be Spirit-filled, that this idea of submission be played out between a husband and a wife and between parents and children. God, it's important for a husband to lead, his way, to lead the way that You want them to lead, to lead them towards You, God. Lord, it's so important for wives to submit to their husbands as He is following You to encourage Him, support Him, pray for Him. And Father, maybe there are husbands and wives here today who need to come to this altar and just say, God, I haven't been the husband, the wife that You need me to be or that my spouse needs me to be. I haven't been the parent that my child needs me to be. And God, this morning, I just want to come to this altar. And God, I want to ask for forgiveness. And I want to commit to you and to my family this day forward to be the husband or the wife or the parent that I need to be, Father. Because, Father, if we don't get this part right, there's no way we can have a godly home. There's no way that Christ can be the foundation of our home if we're not willing to submit to you and follow your design. Father, I just pray that you'll work in the lives of families today. And Father, I just pray that you would strengthen families. God, as they are so important to having a strong, healthy church. God, we love you. We praise you. Just thank you for this time in your word, in your name. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe God has laid it upon your heart as a husband or wife or parent to come and just say, God, help me to be the the wife, help me to be the husband, the parent you need me to be. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. I'd love to share with you how you can know Jesus and make Him the foundation of your life and how He can help you build the godly home that you want to build. Or maybe there's other decisions that you need to make. Joining our church or baptism or whatever decision you need to make. We want to encourage you to do that this morning. But I just want you to stand and then come as God leads as we sing.